Well, it's good to see everybody today on this Jump Your Clock Up Sunday. We've got a pretty good crowd. I hope most of you are awake. But we do welcome you and welcome those who are watching online. Did y'all give me a good morning back? Good morning. Good morning. All right. Well, it is great to see you all here with us this morning. Those of you who are watching and listening, thank you for joining in too. I was reading the news this week, and I saw an article about a man who had a heart transplant, a 57-year-old man. It was at the University of Maryland's Medical Center in Maryland, obviously. And he, he only lived for two months, which kind of caught my attention because nowadays if a person has a heart transplant, things go well. They should live a lot longer than that. But as I read on in the article, he is the first person to ever have a pig's heart transplanted into his body. Wow. And as I read on, I, I'd heard some of this before, but that doctors had been using pig heart valves to replace human heart valves for a while and that they also use pig skin for human graft skin so if you see someone with a funny looking nose don't ever say hey you got a pig nose because they could have a pig nose I guess I guess that's possible but it was sad the guy died obviously but it, it was profound in that if that if they can make that work eventually see right now if you get a heart transplant some other humans got to die and if they could make it where you could get a pig's heart strange that may sound and it worked for you then you wouldn't have to sacrifice a person wouldn't have to die you'd sacrifice a pig but that's much better than a person that was profound and and this morning we're in Ephesians chapter 2 Ephesians 2 verse 1 through 7 we're in our series deep and wide and and I want us to see a passage I think is profound I think it's really profound it's powerful uh, it's frightening, but man, it ends so well. And that, that's going to be a, a kind of a warning I'd give you. The first 10 minutes of this are pretty tough. So we lock the doors. If you need to use the bathroom, you just have to wait till 11 minutes into the sermon. But I promise you, if you'll stay with us, it takes a really positive turn. Now, you might say, I don't want to hear something that's negative in church. I didn't write this, Okay. My job is to plagiarize the Bible and share it with you, okay? So what I'm going to share with you, it's tough, but it's really important. It's it's a great way to look at your own life as well as to look at uh, as you try to help other people. Here's the first thing this morning, our life before Christ. Now, everybody that's in this room, everybody that's watching or listening, you fall into one of two categories, all of us. Start with me. Either you are a Christian today, which means that at some point you were not a Christian. You were not born a Christian. You became a Christian at some point, okay? So you have a life before Christ. This is, this is who you used to be, the state you used to be in, or this is who you are this morning. Now, it, again, it's uncomfortable if it's who you are this morning, but it's fixable. It is completely fixable. It's like going to the doctor and them saying, you've got a fatal problem, but hey, we can fix it right here. Who, that'd be good, wouldn't it? So our life before Christ, who you were or who you are. And the first thing he gives us is he gives us the description, the description of our life before Jesus Christ. It starts in verse one and it says this, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins than what you used to walk, the way you used to live. Now, Paul's gonna use the, the, the word you and then he's gonna circle back and say we, 
it's always more enjoyable to say you right you need to get your act together you're messed up but the truth is is we all are and he's going to use we in a moment and and most scholars think when he's saying you he's talking about the non-jewish people and he says you were dead in the trespasses in sin now when he uses the word dead here he's talking about spiritually dead now what, what does that mean it means it doesn't mean you're as bad as you can be it doesn't mean you can't do anything humanly good it's saying you're separated from God that, that you are, you're in, a, you're in a, a bad spot. All of us were there, or maybe you are this morning. He said, you're dead in your trespasses and sin. Trespasses here in the Bible means exactly what you think it, what it means. It means you go somewhere you shouldn't go. How many of you have ever trespassed? Raise your hand, liars. How many of you have? You, you have. And to trespass is simply going somewhere you shouldn't go, right? It, it's to go somewhere you shouldn't go. And Sometimes we do that accidentally. I have driven before, uh, even as a preacher someplace where I wasn't supposed to go. And, and one time this, this old man got really mad. And it's like, oh, dude, I'm, I can beat you up and I'm leaving, so leave me alone. I mean, he's like 90, you know, I could beat him up, knock his walker out. I was going to take care of him if I had to. But I didn't mean to. And, and other times, probably I've trespassed than I meant to back at a different era of my life. And so trespass here's with God and see God draws the boundaries up not you not me not rich people not poor people God does and God says that all of us even as Christians we still will tend to do this at times but as a a non-Christian before we were Christ we we live in our trespasses our violations against God and he uses the word sin next and the New Testament was written in Greek originally, and they, they had five different words for what we would a lot of times just translate sin. And this is the most common word. It's a, it's a word to mean to miss the mark. It was a, a bow and arrow word in Jesus' day. So let's say Trey Smith and I go, and we're shooting at a target, and I miss it by 20 feet, and Trey misses it by one inch. Trey thinks that he is better than me, Right? But Trey missed it too, amen? And so see, I like to judge my sins against you, right? And you, some of you like to judge yours against me, but see, God judges it against, uh, against our own that we, that we miss the mark with God. God writes the standards and he says that you were, either this was you or this is you this morning, dead in your trespasses and sins. Look in verse two. And once you once walk, walk means live, following the course of the world, following the, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working, the sons of disobedience. Again, this is tough. The man is just right on. He's, he's saying before you were a Christian, if you are one, if you're not a Christian, a lot, a lot of this we're not conscious of. We're not thinking, boy, I want to do all this. But, but we're caught up in the ways of the world. We're following the ways of the world, not the ways of God. I was thinking this week, I became a Christian in college so I can remember my life before Christ and I wasn't conscious of, hey, I'm just gonna go contrary to God. The prince of the air, you know who that is? That's Satan, that's the bad guy. The air is the unseen world. And what he says here that, that before you were in Christ, if you're a Christian, you probably weren't consciously waking up and going, hey, I just wanna follow the devil today. But we were following the ways of the world. We were following the, the ways of the world that's directed and controlled by Satan. If you're not a Christian, I don't know how consciously aware of that you are this morning, but that's what the Bible says. That's the Bible, what the Bible says about your state 
if you aren't a Christian here today. And it says that the spirit that is now working the sons of disobedience. Sons, don't get uh, overwhelmed by that. It's a Hebrew idea of your character, the nature, the character of disobedience. Pretty powerful. In verse 3, he says, among whom we, now Paul makes it personal, most scholars think now he's talking about Jewish people, which he is one of them. He's saying, look, you, before you became to Christ, before you came to Christ, or if you aren't a Christian, you, now he says the same thing was true for us. We once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Wow. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, look, Paul's saying, this is true about me, the great Paul. Before I was a Christ follower, I was caught up following my own passions, my own sinful desires, and my own wishes. And if you're honest with yourself this morning, before you were a Christian, if you're a Christian, the person that ruled your life was you. You followed your own passions, your own desires, your own lust. And if you're not a Christian and you're going to be really honest this morning, I know it's tough, you go, man, is this me today? Well, what, what rules your life? Is it, is it your own desires? Is it your own lust? The, the word desire takes an ugly term with that. Is it your own passions that rule you? You know, we look today in Europe and we, and we look at the war going on. And this week it was reported that Russian soldiers bombed a maternity hospital. The Russians denied it, but then there's some pretty good pictures of pregnant women coming out of the hospital bloody, okay? And so then they really couldn't deny it, and then they said, well, we didn't mean to. You know how to not bomb a maternity hospital? Don't start a stupid war, right? And, and I don't want to give the devil too, too much credit, but I want to tell you, if the devil didn't start COVID, he sure jumped in the middle of it. And, and if the devil didn't initially start that war in Europe, you know what? He's in the middle of it. That is sinful human beings separated from God. They didn't have a prayer meeting at Putin's house the day before the invasion and say, we felt led by the Spirit to invade and kill innocent people. In Daytona Beach, Florida, this week, Two people were brutally murdered. The police chief, who's been a police officer 20 years, said it's the most horrific crime scene they had ever experienced. Stabbed and just torn up. And the the police chief said, and I don't have a clue about their relationship with Christ, here's what they said. They said it was either a crime of passion that this person hated these two people, this couple, the way they attacked him, or it was a psycho. I want to tell you what else it is. It's sinful. It's of the devil. It, it's, 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 it's passions gone completely wild. And you probably are saying what I'm thinking right now. Wait a second, dude. I haven't started any wars. You know why you or I haven't started a war? We don't have the power to. Some of us probably would have. And you might say, too, well, I've never murdered anybody. I've never stabbed anybody to death and murdered anybody. And amen, I haven't either. That's great. It's good to have on your resume. No murders. You ever miss that mark? Don't raise your hand at these next things, please. You ever lie? You ever had an affair on your spouse? You're not married and you're having sex. Well, everybody does it. (laughs) Okay, and that's right how? You gossip. 
You're a slanderer. You can divide people and split people up. See, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Here's what this passage is saying, and it's hard. It's saying that before you were a Christian, what ruled your life and what rules my life are the things of the world, our own passion, and ultimately the influence of Satan. That's who I was. That's who many of you were. That may be who you are this morning. Stay with me. It's redeemable. But here's the second part of this. This is a scary position. This is a scary position. This is not a good place to be. This is not a place you want to stay. At the very end of verse 3, listen to what he says. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Children of wrath means this is our nature. Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. And death in the Bible, it means several things. One, it is physical death. Physical death came because Adam and Eve sinned. But physical death is a death of joy. It's a death of life. It's a death of happiness. And if you don't get it right with God before you leave this earth, the Bible says it's eternal death. It's eternally being separated from God. It's a bad spot. And he says that that if you are a Christian, at one point you were in this bad spot. And if you are not a Christian today, you're in this bad spot. John 3, 18 is a staggering verse. It's It's a great version that takes a really hard turn. Whoever believes in him and Jesus is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Wow. Leave that there for a second. See, to be dead in our sins doesn't mean you're as bad as you can be. It doesn't mean you can't do nice and good things. It means you're separated from God. You can't reach God on your own. It means you're in a bad and a tight spot this morning. And it says this. Now listen, folks. It says, without Christ, you or I stand condemned. We stand condemned. Here's the best way I can illustrate that to you. We lived in Texas for years. Texas is known for a lot of things. One thing it's known for is if you get put on death row, you may die. They actually do that in Texas. A lot of states don't. So here's the process. You get convicted of a capital crime and you get the death penalty. They're going to send you, if you're a woman, to a certain unit, prison unit, a man at another prison unit. And the appeals can go on for years. But as those appeals begin to die down and you get within about a week of your execution date, they ship you to Huntsville, Texas, to a a certain prison. And then if if the governor doesn't intervene on the the day of your execution, they bring you to the Walls Unit in downtown Huntsville. Look that up when you go home, the Walls. It's called that for a a reason. And then if the governor doesn't intervene right now at 6 o'clock, they'll bring you in, strap you to a gunny, and they hook you up to lethal injection and you die. And the Bible says this, that all of us without Christ, I was in this position, many of you were past tense in this position. Sadly, people watching and listening, people here are in this position this morning. It's completely fixable, but this is what God says, not I say what God says. You're on death row. The only difference in you and that inmate in Texas is you don't get you don't get that weak notification that brought in for that 24 hours. We don't know when it's going to happen for us. It says we are in a scary and a bad position. 
I don't know about you, man, when I think about this, when I feel this, it's brutal. And it seems hopeless. But here's two words that change everything. But God. But God. Look at the very first part of verse 4. But God. Some of you are going, this is really a bad sermon. I want to say to you, but God. God's going to jump in and make it a pretty sermon. And he's going to make it doable. Before Christ, you, me, before Christ, dead in our sins, separated from God, can't save ourselves, controlled by our passions and lust, condemned, headed for hell for eternity without Jesus. But God provides a solution. But God intervenes. Look in verse 4. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us. Folks, listen. Mercy means God's compassion. God doesn't want you to be separated from him. God doesn't want you to waste your life here. God doesn't want you to stand condemned one hour more than you are today because of his compassion and mercy. Mercy, man, justice is getting what you deserve. Justice is if you go to the courthouse and, and, and you're, you're innocent, justice means you go home. Justice also means if you did a crime and you should get two years in prison, you get two years in prison. We've, we're making justice a weird thing in our world today. That justice is just fairness. Mercy is you deserve two years in prison and you get two years probation. How many of you like mercy a lot more than justice? I do when it comes to me. When it comes to you, I'm good with justice. I want mercy. I want mercy. And say, so God looks at us out of his compassion. And he says, I, I'm going to provide a solution. I'm going to intervene in their life. And it, it goes on and says, by his mercy and his great love. The great love which he has loved us. If, if you're taking notes, it's that, that biblical word agape love. That's that choosing to love you. That's that acting compassionately to you choosing to to treat you well God says listen I look at them me you before we were Christians look at those today who aren't Christians and man I have mercy I love you I don't want this to take place in your life Thomas Watson was a, a Christian leader 400 years ago and he said this listen to this you don't have to beg God to love you you don't have to wonder if God loves you God's not like a fickle girlfriend or boyfriend that they love you today they don't love you tomorrow they're gonna love you when I wake up God loves you and me despite you and me and God looks at our situation and God says man bad predicament but God listen when God intervenes everything can change Everything can change. And look in verse 5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, separated from God, can't get to God on our own, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Romans 5, 8. Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Man, this is such a beautiful truth. You today or at any time in your life in the past, if you're, you're a Christian, you don't have to clean up to come to God. You don't have to get your act together to get right with God. You don't have to do these things to come to, to, God, to, come to God. You just come to God. 
Jesus died for you when you were at your worst. Jesus was at his best when you and I were at his worst. We were at our worst. He's at his best. Out of his mercy and compassion. We have to respond to this grace. We'll see more of that next week. We'll see more of that in a moment. But it says because his grace, salvation is possible. Grace is unearned, undeserved favor. You didn't do anything to earn it. You can't do anything to earn it. You, you, you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. It's just God saying, I love them, and this is what I want to do for them. Let me give you an example. Let's say you want to borrow $10,000 from me. Now, I'm going to tell you I don't have it, so you're not going to get it, okay? So it's a fake illustration, but it's real. It's a real fake illustration. So, so I give you $10,000, and you're going to pay me next year, and we write up an agreement, and you come back next year and go, well, I can't pay you back. So I get Russ Golden and a couple of people, and we break your fingers, right? I'm just teasing. Okay, so I'm a pastor, so I say, okay, you're, you're not going to borrow money from me again, but I, I, I forgive you. It's done. Remember, this is a fake story. That's mercy, right? Here's what grace is. Grace is you can't pay me back, okay? Here's 10,000 more. God bless you. Fake story, but that's, that's grace. So that's what God does for us. God says, you can't earn this. You can get baptized 80 times, Christian sprinkled. You can raise your hands and do cartwheels on the, uh, the stage. And I'm for all that, man, I am for all that. But that's not going to get you right with God. God says, the only way you're going to get right with me is because I'm offering it to you by my grace. And I'm offering it to you. We're dead in our sins. In John 3, 3, I think the problem is settled. It says that a man must be born again. You become a Christian, you're not just getting prettied up and smelled. You, you get a, a new life. Listen, dead people don't need to just be encouraged. They gotta be given life. And when you get saved, you, you don't just get better, you get Jesus. You get a new life. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. it says, if anyone is in Christ, they are What? A new creation, the old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. Man, it is a bad spot to be in without Jesus. And, and I know in my life, I didn't understand that at all. It's scary looking back. I wish somebody would have walked me through this before I was a Christian. It might have woke me up earlier. But God provides a solution. And here's the third thing today that's kind of the syrup on the ice cream it's the, the future for those who belong to Christ the future for those who belong to Jesus Christ look in verse 6 and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus there's several things here he raised Jesus from the dead we get saved he raises us from spiritual death he raised Jesus up when Jesus ascended back. Someday he's going to raise us up. And I want you to think what he said here. He said, someday, this is all future, I'm going to sit you with Jesus in the heavenly places. You know where Jesus is sitting this morning? He's sitting on the throne. He's sitting on the place of highest authority and power. And here's what he says to you and me, broken, sinful people who before Christ were controlled by the spirit of the world, our sins, our passions, our lusts. Even as Christians, we still struggle like mad. And he says, listen, you follow me and someday you 
I'm going to sit you up there with me in heaven on the seats of power and authority and glory. Unbelievable. And in verse 7, listen to what he says. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. If you're taking notes, the word show means a trophy. Some folks think that what that's saying there is that when you come to Christ and he changes you and saves you and gives you a new life, someday he's going to lift you up and you are going to be God's trophy of grace. Isn't that wonderful? How many of you want to be in God's trophy case? Four of us, good. Heaven won't be crowded. (laughs) We'll look down on you and wish you the best. God's going to lift us up. And then it says, listen what it says. That, that he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness in Christ Jesus. Here's a theme of the Bible, the New Testament. When it comes to heaven, it, it says stuff like, you can't imagine what it's like. You can't even speak of what it's like. You can't think of what it's like. And it says heaven's going to be God's riches on us, not just his riches, riches you cannot measure. We don't need to get up a group to go this afternoon, but how many of you think heaven's going to be a pretty great place? We're going to be seated with Christ and experiencing immeasurable riches in Jesus Christ. Man, this starts off bad, but it sure ends with a lot of hope, doesn't it? Sure does. I read this this week, and and I think it's true that America has a spiritual national anthem. Spiritual national anthem. It was strangely written by a British guy in the 1700s. That's weird, isn't it? The name of the song originally was was Faith's Review and Expectations. That sounds like an exciting song as Justin now leads us in Faith's Review and Expectations. It was written by a guy who, who wrote from two great places. He had a real understanding of the Bible and theology. He understood grace. He understood what it was to be lost and to be found by Jesus Christ. Theologically, but he knew it experientially. He'd been on the other side. He knew what it was like to be separated from God. There's a guy named John Newton. He was a slave trader before he became a Christian. And if I was guessing you're going to rank the, the three or four worst occupations a person could ever have, serial killer, slave trader, those would be in the top two or three. You know the song by Amazing Grace. And this one, this one first line, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind but now I see John Newton got it didn't he all of us at one point were lost spiritually blinded but boy the minute you respond to the grace of God you're saved the blindness is removed you're not perfect this side of heaven but everything changes So here's a couple of uh, challenges. If you're a Christian today, are you living living worthy of this? 
just an old grouchy half committed Christian man I, I want to challenge you come back to God man live live in the fullness of what he's done for you maybe this morning you need to leave your seat in a moment come to the altar get on your knees and praise God for his salvation you're at home maybe you get on your knees at your couch if you're, if you're looking for a church to join, we would love for you to join. I think we're an amazing grace church because we want you regardless of your past or your present, but we want you to find the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Come join us. And if you're not a Christian, maybe today the Holy Spirit has been thumping on your heart and you realize this is you. You're separated from God. It is so fixable right now. If you're watching online, stay with us. If you're here, stay with us. I'm going to help you in a moment, voice of prayer, to ask Christ to save you. We'll help you after church if you want to. Or you can come right now when we stand, and one of our ministers will help you find this amazing grace. Let's stand. As God leads you, you come. We'll be waiting on you.